PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Hello and thank you for joining us and supporting the PDPW Weekly Podcast. You know, we've all had difficult times in our lives, but as we hear from Shelley O'Leary, those difficulties are like diamonds in the rough, and it's time we get some value from them. Here's Shelley with this week's message, The Gift of Difficult. Hey friends, we are a few sessions into a series that has us thinking about some of the challenges life throws at us. There are gifts in these challenges, and I want to help you unwrap them. Today we're going to talk about the gift of difficult. I'll start with a couple personal stories. My senior year of high school had me feeling much better than the previous year. My chemo and radiation treatments were finally over, and I was feeling stronger and healthier. Unfortunately, I was still bald. For a while, I had been wearing a wig in public, but I hated it. It looked awful on me, and it wasn't comfortable, so I ditched it. But that brought problems of its own, because now people thought I was a boy. My algebra teacher in high school didn't even recognize me when I made the decision. He called me Sinead O'Connor, and who are you anyway? So I figured, you know what, Uh, I don't want to be called a boy. Uh, I'm going to solve that. So I started wearing makeup and really big earrings. I thought, that way nobody will have a hard time distinguishing, hey, I'm a girl. Well, that didn't work. Mostly, people thought I was a really weird boy wearing makeup and jewelry, or I was a really weird girl with really bad fashion sense. (laughs) Anyway, early in my senior year of high school, my fellow FFA officers and I had an opportunity to attend a weekend retreat with other FFA officers from around Wisconsin. I had been looking forward to this event. Unfortunately, being a bald teenage girl at a function with a lot of other high schoolers kind of sets you up for a fairly awful time. It became clear almost immediately there was going to be a lot of pointing, gawking, and staring that weekend at me. And though my fellow classmates knew full well why I was bald, they knew about how aggressive the chemo treatments had been and that I had just come through them. Not a single one of my friends came to my defense as the other kids jeered and mocked and talked about me. You know, even a simple, hey, leave her alone, would you? She's just been through chemo, would have lifted my spirits. But my friends seemed to be as embarrassed about people picking on me as I was. Not long after that, my mom and I began touring college campuses to narrow down which ones I'd apply to. During one of these visits, we talked with a professor to learn more about that particular college and get a tour of the campus. Now, keep in mind, I'm still bald, but I'm wearing makeup, and I've got big earrings in. I don't look like your typical ag campus student, but at least I don't look like a boy. Well, the entire time during our conversation, the professor addressed and spoke to only my mom. Even if I asked a question... He looked at my mom to answer my question. Now, I wasn't new to this tactic. I knew that he thought I was just a little too weird to fit in here, and I was making him uncomfortable. Well, you should have seen how his demeanor changed 
when my mom happened to mention I was feeling much stronger now that my chemo treatments were over. All of a sudden, he found it within himself to look me in the eyes and to speak to me warmly. He even said to me their faculty would love to have me in their student body. But as far as I was concerned, we could have gotten in the car right then and headed home without the tour. My mind was made up. I want to turn a corner a little and tell you a little bit about a woman named Sally Nguyen. Her harrowing story of survival during the Cambodian genocide is proof positive that the difficulties we endure in this life can lead to outcomes that are exponentially beyond our normal capabilities. So from 1975 to 1979, the Khmer Rouge oversaw the slaughter of an estimated 2 million Cambodians. The attempts to create a Cambodian master race through social engineering ultimately killed all those people. They were either executed as enemies of the regime or they died from starvation, disease, or overwork. And of course they lost everything their homes, their businesses, all of their material goods, and a lot of them didn't have even a stitch of clothing to their name. Well, during the time that Folly was living the nightmare of what became known as the killing fields, she was separated from her husband, forced to watch her 12-year-old daughter being raped by soldiers, and compelled to flee for safety into the Cambodian jungles with her 3-year-old son and her newborn baby. In fact, that newborn baby was born while Folly was being forced by the Khmer Rouge to keep walking as they marched out of the city that had once been their home. Well, little baby Farrick, says Folly, was born healthy. She said at least it was a fairly easy birth, but he died months later in her arms. By that time, she and hundreds of thousands of other Cambodians were also starving to death. And when a newborn baby is relying on his mama to feed him, he's also going to die if mama is starving. With her own hands, Folly would bury her husband, her sister, and her newborn son in rapid succession, to say nothing of all of the friends and neighbors she watched fall away die in the jungle, and die on the marches. The Khmer Rouge didn't catch her burying her loved ones. If they had, they would have killed her too. Now physically, she survived all of the horrors, but the mental and emotional damage it inflicted on her and all of the others who lived through that was measurable. In her own words, it was rage that kept her alive. Fortunately, Folly found a way to channel that rage productively. So here we have a woman who has pretty much lost everything for no reason other than the sheer cruelty of mankind. But that cruelty, that unthinkable difficulty, birthed within her a deep desire to help others who also had suffered alongside her and were suffering in ways unlike the way that she suffered. In 1993, Folly established the Future Light Orphanage, or FLO, F-L-O. That's on the outskirts of Phnom Penh, Cambodia. 
Now, Flow is more than an orphanage. It's a safe haven for children who are living in a society that otherwise pushes them toward begging and child labor and even prostitution and drugs. Many of the kids living there, even today, have lost both parents. Others have a parent who simply can't afford financially to take care of them. Fortunately, Flow, that orphanage, is there to provide food and shelter and clothing, as well as access to public education and skills that lead to good jobs. So those kids have a chance to break the cycle of poverty that has bound the generations before them. Folly's difficult life experiences drove her to form an organization that has had and continues to have an incredibly profound impact on the lives of thousands of children and their parents. So the one redeeming thing about the difficulties we face in this life is that there are so many gifts available to us. If only we choose to look for them and then decide to use them. What is the gift of difficult, you might ask? Well, if you know me at all, you know I'm going to tell you there are several. Today I want to focus on the one that is so appropriate for the times we're living in. It's also critical for those of us in dairy. I'm talking about resilience. According to dictionary.com, resilience is the ability to recover readily from illness, depression, or adversity. According to Shelley O'Leary, resilience is getting back up again after you've been knocked down, whether you've taken a blow to your pride, your health, a relationship, a business endeavor, a dream, or any number of other things, you need to get back up again. Pretty much any time you felt like you've been run over by a truck or you've gone through the ringer, you need to shake yourself off and say, well, that was not fun, but I bet there was a lesson in there. What can I learn from that? The pages of history are loaded with the names of people we admire, not for their wealth or their beauty or charm, but for the way they overcame difficulties. Harriet Tubman, Helen Keller, Anne Frank, Corey Tenboom, Victor Frankl, Nelson Mandela, Stephen Hawking, and so many, many more. That list doesn't begin to do justice to all the people whose names we know because of how they overcame difficulties because they chose to be resilient. Let me give you a take-home point. You've been through difficult times. I don't even know who's listening to this podcast, and I already know you've been through difficult times. But those difficulties are your diamonds in the rough. I want you to get some value from those diamonds. When difficult circumstances arise, and they're going to remember It doesn't need to mean your demise. It doesn't need to mean the end of you. In fact, if you allow it, it just may be the start of a new you. Here's how. When you're on the other side of that particular difficult circumstance, or maybe while you're even still in the middle of it, ask yourself, what can I learn from this to help someone else? Or, What can I learn from this to prevent it from happening again? Or even, what can I learn from this so that I can be a better version of myself?
I want to leave you with a passage from Alexandre Dumas' classic book, The Count of Monte Cristo. It's a big book, but it has a lot of interesting lessons in it. So in this particular scene, Dantes and an elderly priest are both wrongly imprisoned. And Dantes has just seen firsthand all the remarkable tools and resources his friend, the Abbe Faria, has put together with limited resources, all while being imprisoned himself. He's got a ladder, a penknife, a prying lever, needle and thread, a writing utensil, and durable paper-thin cloth on which to record his writings, tools for digging an escape tunnel, and, this is important, a system for disposing of all those piles of sand, dirt, pebbles, and rubble that resulted from his nightly digging. He also has a candle and flints to light that candle so that he can work in the darkness of night. What are you thinking of, Dantes? asked the Abbe of his friend. Oh, dear Abbe, I was reflecting upon the enormous degree of intelligence and ability you must have employed to reach the high perfection to which you have attained here. What would you have accomplished if you had been free? To which the Abbe replied, Dantes, possibly nothing at all. The overflow of my brain would probably, in a state of freedom, have evaporated into a thousand follies. My dear friend, misfortune is needed to bring to light the treasures of the human intellect. Captivity has brought my mental faculties to a focus. Dantes, you are well aware that from the collision of clouds, electricity is produced. From electricity, lightning is produced. And from lightning, illumination. My friends, in times of difficulty, resilience awaits you. Capture it. Our thanks to Shelley O'Leary for today's message. Shelley, the communications and outreach specialist with the professional dairy producers. For archive podcasts and plenty more, head to pdpw.org. Have a safe week and thank you again for supporting the PDPW Weekly Podcast.